take a drink quick. Um, 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 um. Mm-hmm. Getting them out now. <laughs> Get them out. Context. Um. Okay. (laughs) Leave it in. Do it. Um. God dang. I can't stop it. (laughs) Last night. Okay. Where I was working on my homework Mm -hmm. because I waited till last minute, as per the usual. As as you do. Danny's sitting on the couch, and I don't know what I was doing. I was watching one of the two movies that I watched mm-hmm. about this person. Mm-hmm. And so I had to write this down because it was so funny. I laughed super hard. So Danny's sitting on the couch, and she goes, what's going on? She's <laughs> very concerned, very confused. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? And so I quote... This is Danny. It was going backwards. It sounded like the devil was talking and it had Kiana's voice. <laughs> and she was editing. <laughs> yep. And it was playing in reverse. And she... Also, she was sick and tired and whiny and trying to finish this. And she was just like, Stop. <laughs> It's the devil's voice. <laughs> Kiana's, and Kiana's voice. voice. <laughs> yeah, so we both had we both had a good good a good hearty chuckle about that. Yeah. I thought it was her sleeping and she like woke <laughs> up and, and I just manifest as the devil in her dreams. <laughs> the devil that says um all the time. Um 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 <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Mm, wow. Hello. Hello. Oh, Hi. hello. What's up, Hi. guys? They can't respond. They can't. <laughs> we're, we're waiting. Okay. And go. This is that Broad's Got Moxie. Yep. I'm Kiana. We're here. I'm Cassie. Danny's here. This is episode... 15? 16? Six? 17. Se- episode really? 17. 17. Holy cats. Yeah. That's 17. 17. Again. Oof. Zach Efron. No. Chandler Bing. Chandler Bing. <laughs> <laughs> Just doing word association. Just getting it out. Bing cherries. Bing cherries. Bing cherries. Cherry pie. Pie. 3.14. <laughs> I really thought you were going to go I, further than 3.14. I wish I could, but I don't know any. But honestly, if I, I would have made say, up numbers, I would, you wouldn't have known. No. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure the next two are one. one yeah, 1.1415678. Nobody saw that. There was choreography that happened. <laughs> broke out into a musical dance number. It was real solid. <clears throat> In news, <sighs> I got my hair cut. Yeah, she did. She got how many inches? What six? I don't know. A lot. It had to have been. At it least. was. It was below areola, and it is now <laughs> shoulder. <laughs> and she's got a long torso, guys. Yeah, I got a long torso, but a short neck. <laughs> so it makes up. <laughs> but because I have a short neck, it's shorter. 
It is shorter. It's yeah. so cute. I curled it last night, and it took me only half an episode of Kitchen Nightmares, where <laughs> when I usually curl my hair in the past, it takes me two. Two full episodes? Yeah. Why bother at that That's point? why I don't. <laughs> you see me with curly hair often. But you know what you should try? You should put, you should do like dish rag curls where you just I... roll it around a rag and then tie it in a knot and then sleep on it. So in, a, in college, <gasps> I had done it with scarves. Uh-huh. So I was like, let's see how this goes. Sure. The fire alarm went off in the middle of the night <laughs> and I had... <laughs> 10,000 fucking scarves in my head. <laughs> and I didn't oh, want to go outside. <laughs> and so Abby, half asleep, the angel, my roommate, and me were sitting there for like 10 minutes. <laughs> we should have been evacuating but taking all of the scarves out of my hair. Oh my god. Why didn't you just put like a sweatshirt on with a hood? I, I didn't have one. I don't oh know. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I woke. I was asleep. <laughs> It was, I must dress as it was the let middle me, of the let night. Let me tell you what you do. You take a bigger scarf <laughs> and you wrap, wrap it, it around yeah, your head. The whole, I could have, babushka it. I could have done a lot of things, but the fact is I didn't. <laughs> and we walked out of the building and the security guard was like, kind of upset with us. He was like, you should have been out of here a long time ago. And I was like, well, we're out of here now. And my school, somebody at Richmond had the audacity to, like, pull the fire alarm almost every <gasps> night. Oh, my God. During finals week. <gasps> Monsters. Yeah. Oh, my God. And it's a 500-pound fine, but they were rich, so they didn't care. Wow. Constantly did it. Oof. That. <sighs> Dicks. So that's why I knew I was safe. I, like, I wasn't you were actually like, going to burn. Whatever. It's, the, it's the, the boy who called wolf. Mm-hmm. Cried wolf. I yeah. I called cried sheep. <laughs> Those sheep are ruthless. You gotta be careful. <laughs> uh, yes. All right. Episode seventeen. We just said it. Okay. <laughs> That's right. And we did word association. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. Ended in a musical number. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you go first. Yeah. Okay. Uh, who are you talking about today? Also, is it long? It's, I think I asked you that. I don't think it's super long. Okay, good. Mine are, I, you know, one of, since we're recording two today, mm-hmm. one of mine is long, but mm-hmm. it's also in a much bigger font than I usually <laughs> use because I couldn't read it See, last okay, time. Okay, but that's same. <laughs> I added more line spacing between my notes. Oh, that's right, because you kept losing your spot. Because I kept losing my spot, and then there was the train wreck of Nani Nino Lilo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And my, so my second set of notes, I wrote. Uh-huh. So you have no idea. I have no idea what they say. I used my own form of shorthand <laughs> in a lot of it, and it's, we'll see what happens. Hmm. But fun in the meantime. Fun fact about shorthand. Journalist shorthand, back in the day, could be admissible as evidence of, like, fact of the matter. Really? In court. At least in the UK. Oh. I had a professor that wouldn't let me forget it. <laughs> What was this professor's name? Louise Byrne. Ooh. I think. Louise Byrne. Yeah. She was a real no-nonsense woman. I like it. I liked her, but she was also uh, not everybody's favorite. I had a sixth grade teacher named Marlene Shum. Hmm. She has since passed, but she was, she was a real fucking... 
She was a hard ass, but I was like, I respect the shit out of you. (laughs) You scare me. (laughs) But I honestly don't mind strict people as long as they're, like, fair. Like, fair, but also, like, equal in their strictness. Like, they don't pick and choose when they, like, and play favorites or anything. Yeah. Don't fucking Mm dilly-dally. Mm-hmm. Okay, who are, you, who are you talking about? Oh, yeah, okay. So, uh, today I'm going to talk about transgender icon April Ashley. Ooh, all right. So, my sources are April Ashley's book called My Odyssey, but only the first chapter because that was the only one available online. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Museum of Liverpool's Portrait of a Lady exhibition that they had. Beautiful. And they also, like, on their website, they have it all, you know, mm-hmm. how the internet works. You sure do. Anywho, <laughs> let's begin, because I only used two sources. April mm-hmm. Ashley was born on April 29th, 1935, in a poverty-stricken neighborhood to a Protestant mother, Ada Brown, and to a Roman Catholic fodder. Fodder? <laughs> fodder. I started so strong. You did. <laughs> Roman Catholic father, Frederick Jameson. They were so poor that from their social standing, they could only move up in the world. Oh, nowhere to go but up? (laughs) Excellent. Yep. And April also noted in her book that her mother was giving birth almost once a year, but only six children had survived that childbirth. Goodness gracious. To which I have to say, birth control? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. The children included Roddy, Teresa, Freddie, April, Ivor, and Marjorie. Lovely. They were a very religious family, and every night they would pray. By the time she was four, she would pray every night for the protection of her parents and siblings, and she would also pray that when she woke up in the morning, God would make her into a girl. So she knew from a very young age. April was a middle child and a self-described, quote, problem child. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) But (laughs) I, reading the book, honestly, don't know why she described herself as a problem child. Yeah. (laughs) Because one of the main reasons she considered herself such was that she had a quote nervous condition that had her wetting the bed until the age of 14 mm-hmm. which is like not your fault yeah and also another reason was her calcium deficiency that she had that how le- dare she <laughs> that led to a lot of accidents and sometimes led to the inability to walk oh no yeah So her mother had to take her to the hospital once a week for calcium injections, and sometimes her mom would have to carry her there. Oh, goodness. And because of this, she was like... That makes her a problem child. She was like, I'm a problem child. Oh, boy. She's a problem child because she's got all the problems, not because she is one. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) So because she often couldn't walk, her brothers had fashioned a wagon so that they could drag her around town. But but they wouldn't notice if she fell out sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so so like <clears throat> the neighbors would find her laying around town oh my and god be like oh fucking god damn it gotta carry her home again <laughs> and she called herself quite a bother oh my goodness <laughs> which again oh. not your fault <laughs> so at school she was bullied frequently and harshly she was often called a sissy at the school she attended and also endured physical beatings as well from classmates and teachers. What the fuck? It, of the time it was normal. Capital punishment. Yeah. Or. Nope. nope. <laughs> That's a different type of punishment. Cor- corporal. Corporal. <laughs> All right. It's going to drink death beverage. 
The after-school staff got into the habit of checking the air raid shelters around the school because they would often find her tied up in the bunkers. Oh, no! Yeah. Oh, my gosh! That's, that's pretty sad. I'm sorry, where the fuck is this taking place? This is in England. Oh, Liverpool. Good. It's Liverpool during World War II. That's why they were air bunk. They were the bunkers. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, okay. At the age of 10, April picked up a job on the weekends at a local market shop where she would deliver food. She also got into the habit of skipping school when she could to go to the shop and work instead because she didn't like Mm -hmm. going to school. She became very close with the store's owners, John and Edna, and for periods of her life, she lived with them. Hmm. After she graduated school, she went to work full-time with them. Because she had worked for them so long and rarely spent money on herself, she actually acquired quite a bit of wealth. Oh, for her area. I mean, she good could only... Good for her. We'd, we'd be a good little saver. She could only go up. And she kind of talked... It was nice, because she only ever, like, really bought gifts for her mom. Mm-hmm. But then she would also, like... I think the only thing she spent on herself was shoes. Because mm-hmm. she used to wear wooden clogs. And there's a part in the book where she talks about the first time she put on leather shoes. Mm-hmm. And she was like... Like a like a cloud. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. From I imagine. wooden clogs? <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> As she went through puberty, her femininity only became more pronounced, and she really didn't undergo the transformation that males experienced during this time. Mm-hmm. Her voice never dropped, she could never grow any facial hair, and more than ever, she was being mocked for her feminine appearance. So, to sort of embrace being a male at the time, mm-hmm. she joined the Navy, because mm-hmm. she was like, this is, this is how I do it. If my body is not going... To allow me to present as yeah what I quote should be presenting as I'm going to force it yeah um so she joined the navy she tried to fit into this very masculine rigid and rough environment and while she had some good moments like she had a really good Christmas one year um it was very hard for her and at this time she also started to grow breasts okay and this was sans any hormone treatment or anything hmm. so I. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting. That is interesting, yeah. The body does pretty fucking incredible things sometimes. Yeah. And, like, sex as we understand it, sex mm-hmm. as in, you know. Yeah. We don't. Mm-hmm. There's <laughs> sure a lot don't. more There's a lot more variations than yeah. what we... It, it's are, not black and white. Yeah. It's not It's not black and white. It, Fair. No. Neither is DNA. Have you heard about the lady who, when she was fighting for custody for twins... She, they would get, like, they were trying to match them, uh-huh. DNA. What's that called? Paternity test? Oh, yeah, Maternity yeah. test. And they weren't matching. And they oh, figured yeah. out it was because she absorbed her twin yeah. in the womb. And different parts of her body carried different DNA. Gross. Yeah. It's very strange. Yeah. It's bananas. We don't know anything about the human body. Mm-mm. Mm. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so, life only became more challenging for her in the Navy. And in 1952, she attempted suicide. And while she was recovering, she was given a dishonorable discharge and sent back to Liverpool because she had been living at sea at this point. Mm-hmm. Back in Liverpool, she continued to struggle with her gender identity. And in 1953, she made another attempt to end her life. But this also failed. And after this, she was sent to a psychiatric unit and later treated at Walton Hospital. Hmm. Her care was brutal and including, included sodium pentothal injections, no. electroconvulsive treatment, and of course, male hormones. Mm. Good lord. Uh, the experience were devastating and it had a detrimental effect on April's health and well-being. 
when she turned 20, she left the hospital and immediately moved to London Mm -hmm. just to get away from Liverpool. Good for her. And here she began to present as a woman and then decided to move to the much more liberal Paris Mm -hmm. in the late 1950s, now using the name Tony April. Oh. In stark contrast to post-war England, Paris represented a sexual liberalism, freedom, and openness that was previously unimaginable to young April. She became a stage performer and joined the stage with the famous French entertainer, Gocinelli. <laughs> which we just found out means ladybug. Ladybug. Which is adorable. <laughs> and they performed on stage together in a drag cabaret. Ooh. At ca- the Carousel Theater, which is still open, right? Yes, I think so. It's very old. Yeah. Yes, love. Gocinelli. What? Coccinelle. 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 I like I like it the Italian way. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> it was at this theater that she met other trans women and was connected with doctors that helped guide her through her transition. Oh, how lovely. With 3,000 pounds saved, meaning the money, the currency. Yes. <laughs> April decided at the age of 25 that she needed to undergo a sex reassignment surgery. Good for her. So she underwent a seven-hour-long surgery performed in Casablanca, Morocco Mm -hmm. on May 12, 1960, and she was the ninth person to ever undergo this operation. Oh, my gosh. So it was still... Ninth ever? Yeah. Lord have mercy. It was still very new, and afterwards she experienced a lot of pain, and I think she lost her hair. For a short period of time. Oh. But it it went perfectly well. Okay. Fine. She recovered. She recovered, and she began to go by the name April Ashley. And with her newfound confidence as a woman, paired with her already statuesque good looks, she pursued a career as a fashion model and actress. Hmm. She did well as a model, posing for a little publication you may have heard of. Tell me. Vogue. Ooh. <laughs> yep. Just, just that real casual just that, little one. Just a little one. She became extremely co- successful as a model, becoming a sex symbol and often posing in lingerie. She held status as a member of London's high society and brushed shoulders with famous musicians, actors, and politicians. She even got a part in the movie The Road to Hong Kong, starring Bing Crosby and Bob Hope. Oh, okay. But her role was later dropped. That's a bummer. Yep. I've, I think I've seen that movie, but that's a bummer yeah. that she, they were like, mm, nah. Uh, I'll tell you why in a second. Oh, okay. So in 1961, she began an affair with Arthur Corbett, an Eaton-educated aristocrat. Corbett had frequented the carousel, the, the bar she's performing uh-huh. at, mm-hmm. and was fully aware of April's history and gender reassignment, and was fully in love with her. And left his wife and four children to begin a relationship with April. Oh, heavens. Yeah. So her life was going pretty well until a, quote, friend decided to out April as trans to a new pa- newspaper. Oh, no. Yeah. And so that's why the role was dropped. Yep. Oh, gosh. Um, the press's coverage of April's gender transition was hostile, transphobic, and portrayed her in a very inhumane way. And soon, April was unable to model in England ever again. Ugh, God, my head hurts from rolling my eyes so fucking hard. Yeah. Ready for this. Oh, Jesus. The outing also affected her marriage. Uh, And a few years after this, he filed for a divorce from her on the grounds that she was male. 
What Keep in mind, fuck? Yep. he knew her history. He knew! And also, this was several years after the outing. Ugh. He's a, c- a coward. Piece of shit. A coward. Mm-hmm. An idiot. This divorce case then became universally known as the divorce case which set legal precedent regarding the status of trans people in the whole country of England. And not in a good way. Of course not. The court forced April to go through intrusive tests, and she was exposed to more derogatory press attention because of it. In 1971, she was misgendered by the courts, and this ruling became the legal precedent for transphobic laws in the UK. What the fuck? This did not please April. Clearly. (laughs) And so she began to campaign to get her true identity recognized and the true identity of others as well, all throughout England. Mm -hmm. She was extremely charming. And so she began to appeal to those that were in her social circle, which was high society people. Mm -hmm. She also wrote a book detailing her experience growing up and continued her campaign to have her true gender recognized. She lobbied and wrote to... This was for years she did this. Mm -hmm. She lobbied and wrote to Prime Minister Tony Blair and the Lord Chancellor. Oh, okay. And the Lord Chancellor, remaining absolutely committed to changing the law. In 2004, the Gender Recognition Act was passed, and April, along with other trans people living in the UK, were issued new birth certificates recognizing their gender. Woohoo! That's awesome! She's still alive. Oh, good. I was just going to ask that. So after receiving the birth certificate, she said, 45 years and four months after I became a woman, I wanted to be. I had a piece of paper to really prove I am April Ashley. I feel free at last. Oh, that's so nice. Yes. Fucking congrats. Yeah. Way to go, UK. And in 2012, she was appointed a member of the Order of the British Empire for services to transgender equality and continues to be an inspiration to many others today. Oh, yeah. I did. I've heard her name before, but I didn't know anything about her. Yeah. What a badass. And here I tell me there was an interview that I watched that I don't think I cited, but I think it might have been through the Liverpool Museum. Okay. And she is just like an eccentric. She's like blue hair now. Perfect. And like she pencils in her eyebrows. Oh, I love it. And just kind of like tells it as it is. Mm-hmm. And in her in her book, she had a lot of like saucy things written Uh uh-huh because she was a sex symbol yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) and so it was like ooh, ooh, she's just a little badass lady (laughs) i love it i fucking love a woman who just it's like fucking here it is Mm -hmm. boom i don't have to pussyfoot around this at all Mm -hmm. i'm gonna tell you straight up what the deal is yeah she's cool yeah that's Um, awesome i also have a little clipping of the newspaper that outed her the extraordinary case of top model april ashley her quote secret is out yeah you can't really sassy yeah she's very pretty oh i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna have to do some googling that's a very good story i like that so much and she's still alive what year was she born 1935 1935 yeah excellent so she's 80 something now? 84? Sure. Okay. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Yeah? That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, who are you doing today? I am also doing a a Brit. What? A Brit? No, not a Brit. Am I not close enough? Okay. 
She's not a Brit. Oh. But she is a sex symbol. Ooh. And she oh, the sexiest very... episode this yet. This is the sexiest episode. <laughs> yeah. I did a lot of shoulder movement um. there that was unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> did like a little worm. <laughs> I love that, that as we sit here, I just... I'm constantly seeing you just get like, your ooh. shoulders real into it. <laughs> uh, it's perfect. So I was trying to figure out who to talk about. Mm-hmm. And as I was doing my last minute homework last night, of course, <laughs> it just kind of was like, oh, boom, that's who I'm going to do. And she's someone who I knew very little about. Mm-hmm. She's got a very interesting, led a very interesting life. And so, I am going to talk about Betty Page. Oh! The yeah. pinup? The pinup, Okay. Yes. Um, pinup model. So, I watched an old, early 90s E! Hollywood uh, true, you know. Yeah. True lives story. True Hollywood story. True Hollywood th- story, thank you. <laughs> and then I also watched The Notorious Betty Page, which mm. was a movie... Directed by Mary, I think her name is Mary Heron. Let me double check that real quick. I know what Betty Page looks like. I know nothing about her. It gets crazy. Really? I mean, I assume. Okay, yeah. So. 66 of me. <laughs> <laughs> the movie is, it's a docudrama mm-hmm. called The Notorious Betty Page. And. It was directed by a woman named Mary Heron, mm-hmm. and it's about her life as we know it, mm-hmm. as most people know it, kind of through the height of her career. Yeah. And then I read Wikipedia, and I read another article from the LA Times that was published after she passed away. Okay. Okay. So, mind you, these are the notes that I took all by hand, so (laughs) we're going to see how this goes. (laughs) Okay. All right. So, I'm going to start with a quote of hers. It's a real short one, but Mm -hmm. she always said, I was never the girl next door. (laughs) Which I'm just like, was this scandalous? Hello. (laughs) Okay. So, Betty Mae Page was born April 22nd, 1923. In Nashville, Tennessee. April 22nd just happens to also be Colleen's birthday. Oh. <laughs> and Earth Day. Mm. Yeah. So. Are both of the sex symbols are Tauruses? They both are Tauruses. They're bad bitches. If you're a Taurus, you have to get into the sex symbol game. Yes. Because apparently you'll do very well. Make your own lingerie. Yeah. Really put yourself out there. Yeah. Yeah. Be, Yeah. Be a sex symbol. Is Dita Von Tees a Taurus? Taurus? Am I pronouncing that right? Dita Von Tees? Yeah. No, Taurus. Oh, yeah, Taurus. <laughs> I know I was pronouncing Dita Von Tees right. How do you know how to say Taurus? I don't know. No, she's not. She a Pisces. She seems like a Pisces. Scorpio. Aries. Cancer. Libra. Aquarius. Yeah! Libra. It is, She's not going to do if well. we fucking throw <laughs> enough out there, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Okay. So she's not a Taurus, so she's not going to do well. She's <laughs> a Taurus. She's right on the... She's no, right no, on no. Co- oh. Dita Von Tees. Oh, oh. For Pete's sake. We're not talking about her. Okay. So 
She is the second of six six siblings. Ooh. She had two sisters and three brothers. <laughs> Sorry, my lady had six siblings. Really? Yeah. Oh, this is wild. Sorry uh, to keep interrupting. No, that's okay. I just like the connection. Sorry. <laughs> so her mom is named Edna, and f- up until what? <laughs> the, the family that she lived with in the stores. It, it was, was, it was John, it was John and Edna. Edna. Oh my gosh. This is, this is crazy. They're the same. They're the same we person. accidentally covered the same people. <laughs> that's incredible. Okay, oh, weird. I'll stop. That's okay. I, I'm not. No, I'm not going to make that promise. <laughs> no, we're not. It's fine. It's fine. Okay, so her mom's name is Edna. Mm-hmm. She was a homemaker up until the Great Depression, and her dad's name was Walter Roy. And I don't remember what he did. I don't think I found out what he did. Uh, we don't care about him. He's a he's a dude. Yeah. So <laughs> then, <laughs> so the Great Depression, you mm-hmm. know, the collapse of yeah. the. What's economy. It? The economy. The stock market crashed. So after that, her mom became a hairdresser and did a lot of like laundry services and ironing and that kind of stuff while her father worked. Again, don't know what he did, but he moved the family around the around like the country mm-hmm. a lot because of economic stability. They just followed the work. Yeah. So at a young age, Betty had to take on the responsibility of caring for her younger siblings. In her childhood, her father ended up spending two years in jail for auto theft. Mm. Her parents divorced when she was 10. And so then being a single mother and having six kids to take care of, Mm -hmm. she couldn't, she just couldn't swing it. So for a year, Betty and her two sisters lived at an orphanage. But while it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. They didn't Mm -hmm. have a bad time there, but they spent a lot of time there playing dress up and make believe and, you know, just kind of being kids, being kids. Yeah. However, in her early teens, Betty's father molested her. So spent some time in an orphanage, came home, was, you know, Mm -hmm. but when she would see her father. I didn't find a whole lot of information about it, but yeah, he was inappropriate. And man, and now I really don't care about him. Yeah, he was a real fucker. Yeah, he's probably. And then he no, and then ask. he eventually left. So <laughs> I was gonna say he was probably a criminal. That's why <laughs> they kept was. running around, and he did go to jail. So mm-hmm. so and he did molest his child, making him a complete shit face, shit bag, bag. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all of it. As a as <laughs> growing up. Her family was very religious, went to church all the time, and Betty made sure to avoid boys. Her mom uh-huh. was like, no, you're you're never going to be late. Curfew is curfew. You mm-hmm. don't spend time with them alone. So she was a very good girl. Mm-hmm. She didn't smoke. She didn't drink. She didn't hang out with boys. She was very much doing, quote, what she was supposed to. She, as a teenager, Betty and her sisters played dress up a lot. And tried lots of different makeup and hairstyles to kind of emulate their, like, favorite movie stars. Mm-hmm. And then she learned how to sew, which helped later in life as a career as a model because yeah. she could do her own hair and makeup. And she made a lot of her own clothes and, like, swimming suits and stuff like that. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So she's very in control of all the things that she was doing mm-hmm. in her life. She was a great student. She was on the debate team. And she was voted 
when they still did things like this, mm-hmm. <laughs> she was voted girl most likely to succeed. They still do that. The su- superlatives? Yeah. Yeah. I We didn't do that in high school. Oh. Did you? Yeah. Did you? You had 12 people in your... <laughs> <laughs> I had 34. Thank you. Okay, that's... I mean... More people are coming to our wedding party than I graduated with. That's wild. (laughs) (laughs) No, we did. I got most athletic. Did you really? Mm -hmm. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. No, we didn't have superlatives. The funniest thing about my superlatives was (laughs) we had worst driver as one of them. (laughs) And the picture that the yearbook Were you teamed for that one? I was not. Okay. Just checking. <laughs> but the the guy who got it was my friend, Josiah, mm-hmm. who... Okay, we're going to have two stories. Sorry. Tell me. I know you don't know how long your notes are going to be. Okay. So, the first one. The picture in the yearbook for Worst Driver was him in his car, because that's how the yearbook people caught him mm-hmm. driving, like, away. Mm-hmm. And they had somebody just get on the roof as, of his car to look like he was hit. And oh Josiah gosh. was out the window with his, like, hands on his head. <laughs> and that's the picture in the yearbook. <laughs> but he got Worst Driver because one day he was driving to school and it was icy out, mm-hmm. which we should not have had school. Mm-hmm. But he was coming down a hill. Oh, no. And he was with his sister. And he was he was pretending to be like, oh, no, we're slipping. Uh-huh. Oh, no. Uh-huh. And then they kept sliding. And Avery, his sister, looked over at him and was like, okay, I've had enough of your games. And he looked at her and went, I'm not playing around. <laughs> and he took out a school fence. <laughs> Shit. Um, so he will deservedly got. Oh, Josiah. Uh-huh. That's the only one I remember. That's, that's a thing. Yeah, we never had those. I'm very curious as to what mine would be. Most likely to start a podcast. Oh, solid. I like that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good call. Good call. Okay. Most oh, likely to succeed. Sorry. Sage got most likely to succeed. Did or he? most likely to be famous. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I love Sage. Why didn't He's he all right. Death is a year older than me. Oh, so you don't know if he got a superlative? Oh, I don't know if he got a superlative. I should ask. We'll ask and then we'll update everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Zeth got biggest cutie. Oh, <laughs> gross. <laughs> I love it. Jesus. Okay. Most likely to succeed. Most likely to succeed. June 6, 1940, she graduated from high school as the salutatorian oh. and was given a scholarship to the teaching school to, excuse me, to go to school to teach. Mm-hmm. She enrolled at George Peabody College. Which later became part of Vanderbilt University mm. to become it. So she went to become a teacher. But she was like, I don't know if this is for me. So the next fall, she began studying acting. Ooh. And then she graduated in 1944. So between the time she graduated, she had been. So she graduated high school, met a boy named Billy Neal, dated him. For several years. Mm -hmm. And then in 1943, right before Billy was shipped out, he was drafted in the army to go fight in World War II. Mm -hmm. Right before he was shipped out, they got married. 
and then she graduated 1944 and moved to Sacramento because that's where he was stationed before being sent overseas. So after graduation and moving to Sacramento, she was doing modeling, you know, like furs and suits Mm -hmm. just in, in stores and stuff like that. But someone told her she should go do a screen test in Hollywood. So she goes to Hollywood. She does this screen test. They did her hair and makeup, like, mm-hmm. for this. But they did her up like Joan Crawford. Ooh. So they look... <laughs> big brows. Big brows. Huge lips, like, overdrew her lips. And she yeah. was like... I looked in the mirror and didn't recognize who that person was. Yeah. And... So, she, quote, wasn't entertaining mm-hmm. the, you know, the people. And they were like, ugh, you're boring. But then also, one of the, like, casting people tried to um, casting couch her, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. after the fact. And she was like, uh, I don't fucking think so. So, she left and she was like, well, clearly that didn't work out. Yeah. So, she goes back to Sacramento Billy comes back. They decide that they're not really compatible anymore, and they got divorced in 1947. After her divorce, she went to Florida for a little vacation, hmm. and then went to Haiti oh. for I think she I think it was like four months. Okay, and she was just kind of vacationing there, kind of getting to know the culture. She really liked it and thought it was it was just really intrigued mm-hmm. being from you know, the Bible Belt in Nashville, Mm -hmm. going to a very, very different place. Bible Belt during the Great Depression. Exactly. Not good times. So she liked Haiti, but eventually there was turmoil. Yeah. Political Political turmoil. So she left. And after that, she moved to New York City, where she wanted to find work as an actress. She was like, well, Hollywood didn't work, but maybe New York will, will work better for me. So she got a secretarial job, but then within a few days of starting that that first job, mm-hmm. she was she was sexually assaulted by a group of men. I'm not sure the details of it. Yeah. I don't think that's anybody's business, quite frankly. Yeah. But she was a victim of sexual assault and trying to recover from that mm-hmm. and like you know deal with that trauma Mm -hmm. she left new york went back to nashville for several weeks Mm -hmm. and then went back to new york city Mm -hmm. okay so basically like when she went back to nashville and she's recovering from this trauma and trying to fucking deal with life after something so terrible she, you know, I think her family tried to say, like, why don't you stay here? You know, you can go back to school. You can teach. You can do whatever. She was like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I'm going to follow my dreams. I'm going to go be an actress. And so she just did, which mm-hmm. was really, I think, groundbreaking at the time. You know, in the yeah. early 50s, she was like, I don't want to be a wife and a mother. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to just be a secretary. I want to go to the big city and, like, live, live an exciting life. Yeah. So she did. So in 1950, while walking on the beach on Coney Island, Betty met a man named Jerry Tibbs, who is, he's a black man, Mm -hmm. but he was also a New York City police officer. Hmm. Also groundbreaking for the Also very groundbreaking in 1950, for sure. Yeah. He was also an avid photographer. Mm -hmm. 
And so he's like, you're beautiful. I would love to take your photos. And I was like, creeper. (laughs) If if anybody asks you to do that today, don't. don't. Red flags. Yeah. Red flag city. Yeah. So he's like, you're really beautiful. I would love to, if you would let me take photos of you, mm-hmm. like, I'll help you get a pinup portfolio mm. for free. Like, we'll just do swapsies. Yeah. Your time, I'll make these photos for you. And so... It's pretty nice. Yeah. I mean, it worked. And so he was the first person to suggest that she style her hair with bangs. So she she is not like you. She's got a very high forehead. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> But she's also very, she's got really dark hair mm-hmm. and blue eyes. Yeah. And he was like, the sun catches the, your high forehead. Mm-hmm. And so. It takes away from the eye. It takes away from the eyes. So if you had bangs, it would frame your face and it, it would, you know, it would decrease that reflecting mm-hmm. light. And so she went home and she cut her bangs herself and like. Boom. It Her bangs turned into her look. Iconic. Yeah. 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 You can't put bangs on anything and not be like, oh, she looks like Betty Page. I disagree. <laughs> you could put bangs on me and I'd look like a, a creep. <laughs> <laughs> nobody, well. Nobody would look at me with my tiny ass bangs on my tiny ass forehead and be like, ah, yes, the beautiful the Betty beautiful. Page. I would. I would. Don't lie to me. Don't lie to my face like that. Whatever. (laughs) Whatever. So he's he's taking pictures of her. And then she's like, oh, this is a lot of fun. So Betty began modeling for... Modeling? (laughs) Modeling for... (laughs) You said it with such confidence. I was like, oh, please explain. What is modeling? What is modeling? (laughs) Jesus. She began modeling for camera clubs. Which were, everybody's trying to circumvent pornography mm-hmm. at this time. It's a real crisis. And, like, pinup girls were one thing, because pinup girls wore clothing. Yeah. But anything... Unsavory. Anything unsavory was pornography. And there's this huge crisis around it, because it's the 1950s. Yeah. Right? So these camera clubs were a way for photographers to take photos of live models. Mm-hmm. But basically what it turned into was, like, some people would just show up with a camera with no film in it just so that they could look at a sexy model for an hour, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. Jeez. <laughs> but, yeah, it was just, like, people were making amateur, quote, porn. Mm-hmm. But most of the models stayed were... fully clothed. Stayed fully clothed. Yeah. By 1951, Betty had begun to appear in men's magazines, and I thought some of the names were funny. So there's Wink, Eiffel, Ew. Titter, Ew. <laughs> Gross. and Beauty Parade. So the one I can get behind. Exactly. So these are some pretty classy, well-known, like, you could just buy them on the newsstand. Mm-hmm. So then in somewhere between like late 1951, early 1952, mm-hmm. Betty started working for a photographer and his sister and their, his name was Irving Claw 
And his wife's his wife, his sister's name is Paula. Okay. They owned a family business called Movie Star News, and they did mail order photos with pinup themes. But then, for special clients, they would do special themes. Mm-hmm. Some of which were like BDSM. Or shoes. Mm-hmm. Just something, some things that were a little more specific. Mm-hmm. Cowgirl. Um, cowgirl, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of leather. But these were all special requests mm-hmm. coming from very, very wealthy men. Many of whom were, like, lawyers and doctors. And there was one that was a judge. So she's like... They're pin, you know, they're making a lot of money on these photos. Yeah. So I have a quote in response to being asked, like, what were your thoughts about doing these bondage photos? And she said, I don't really disapprove of it. I think you can do your own thing as long as you're not hurting anybody else. That's been my philosophy ever since I was a little girl. I never looked down my nose at it. In fact, we used to laugh at some of the requests that came through the mail even from judges and lawyers and doctors and people in high positions. Even back in the 50s, they went in for the whips and the ties and everything else. <laughs> so, for like five years, five, five or six years, Betty worked with Irving and Paula. And so they did, they did photo shoots and all these different... With all these different themes. Mm -hmm. Um, She's most often photographed in lingerie and stockings and very high heels. Yeah. And then eventually she started doing like real short eight millimeter black and white films. Showing her, you know, kind of dancing around in lingerie or spanking another woman in lingerie. Mm. So, yeah. Most of them, like I said, high heels and lingerie, bondage, spanking... Leather costumes, sometimes restraints. She is often portrayed as, like, the dominatrix. Yeah. uh, The dominant one. But she is also the, quote, like, helpless victim or the submissive one. So she went back and forth and she said that Paula always tied the things. And she was very gentle and it was a very... Open and consenting. Nothing was ever skeezy or under the table or creepy. Mm -hmm. Paula was always there making sure that her girls were being taken care of, basically. that they were safe. Yeah. All of the films and photos were always all female. There was never nudity and never explicit sexual content. Like, Mm -hmm. let me tell you, I just started watching True Blood again. Mm -hmm. And holy cats. (laughs) (laughs) HBO. HBO is where it's at for sexual content. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) Look, I'm going to keep it classy. I can't help it. (laughs) So, yeah. While working with Irving, she acted. So, she was also pursuing acting on the side Mm -hmm. and was taking classes for it and stuff. So, she did. She had a couple roles on TV and stage. And then she acted and danced in. A, an, a full-length film called Stripperama. <laughs> and then, I can't remember the the man who did that one. But then Irving was like, well, shit, I'm going to break into the movie business. So then he did two, they're just adult comedies. Yeah. And they're burlesque films. 
and one is called Teaserama. Ooh. And the other one was called Varieties. Okay. Great names. Love a pun. <laughs> um, and they featured Betty doing exotic dance routines and, you know, short vignettes with well-known striptease artist Lily St. Cyr and Tempest Storm. Hmm. Both of who are incredible women who I am going to talk about later. I haven't heard of Because of them. I love a little scandal. <laughs> and then... So they were... These films were just mildly risque at yeah. best. Yeah. There's nothing. I mean, risque Come, for the time. It was super risque for the time, but now it's like, this is, people got upset about this? <laughs> oh boy. In 1954, Betty went on vacation to Florida and she met Bunny Yeager, mm. who was a former model and an aspiring photographer. Bunny is. Really great. She's a real sassy lady. I watched her in the E! True Hollywood story Mm -hmm. and saw a bunch of photos and she talked about Betty Page and she just seems like a real top-notch lady. Hmm. In the movie, Sarah Paulson plays her and she's real lovely. I liked her a lot. So they worked together and did a famous photo shoot at a wild, it's now a defunct wildlife park in Boca Raton called Africa, USA. So they went so they went there. <laughs> Betty made a cheetah print bikini and I think another costume. And it's like the shoot was called like Jungle Betty. Mm-hmm. Um, so she took a whole bunch of photos with a bunch of different animals. Very one super famous one is where she posed nude with two cheetahs. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, <don't> know. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. <laughs> yeah. It's really lovely. Dangerous? Dangerous? They had animal handlers, but I mean, Still, also, I you're naked with cheetahs. What's the magician? Siegfried, Siegfried and Roy. Roy. I don't remember which one got eaten, but. I think I'm going to say Roy because I hate his name. <laughs> That's right. You didn't hate the word Roy. <laughs> so Betty Yeager took these photos. They had a really great relationship. And then she sent photos of Betty to Hugh Hefner. So Playboy was only two years old at the time. Hmm. And Hugh made Betty Playmate of the Month in the January 1955 issue, which is also a very famous photo of her. She's not wearing anything except for a Santa hat. Ah. And she's kneeling (laughs) in front of... Right? Super (laughs) cute. She's, like, kneeling by a Christmas tree. She's got an ornament in her hand, and she's, like, sassy winking at the camera. Yeah. And then, after that, she won the title Miss Pinup Girl of the World. Oh. Yeah. She was called the Queen of the Pinups for a very long time, but that was, like, she won this title. I'm not sure from what, but anyway. Like I said, with Irving, she never did any, no nude stuff, no nothing. Mm-hmm. She And period, she never did any explicit content. Mm-hmm. It was a little risque, but it was never, like explicit or raunchy or anything yeah. like that. But she was also super comfortable being naked. She's like, I like to walk around the house naked. I like to swim naked. I like to be naked. Like, it's it's just your body. Yeah. She was very open and, like, never felt pressured to do it. It was very much on her terms. And she was like, all right, whoop, coming off. Yeah. So, in 1958, Betty retired from modeling. 
So this is where things get a little bananas. Oh. So on New Year's Eve of 1958, Betty attended a church service at a place called the Key West Temple Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. And over the course of like 1959, throughout that year, she became a born again Christian. Oof. (laughs) (laughs) So, like didn't know this complete 180 yeah from everything that she was doing so and it's kind of up in the air about what made her quit because she never explicitly said this is why or this is why but there was i think she ultimately felt bad because irving had gone through some legal issues Mm -hmm. and he was fined and had to destroy all of his photos and things like that because the state said if you don't we're gonna find you and then we're gonna put you in jail and take everything that you have oh so i think she felt bad Mm -hmm. for having contributed to that even though she never had any like legal part of it yeah like he was the distributor so he was the one getting in trouble not her yeah okay so (laughs) she became a born-again christian in 1959 Wild. And redevoted her life to Jesus. Over the next, you know, 30 years, mm-hmm. she would go on to attend two Bible colleges, the Bible Institute of Los Angeles mm-hmm. and Multnomah College in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> Have I? And you were the one who yeah. told me that Multnomah College is is a Bible college. Yeah. It's now Multnomah University. It's a university. Oh, now. okay. I tried I tried to get my friend Maddie, who's moving here, That's to go right. there because she was just looking at schools to go to. And I was like, I'm pretty sure they used to be religious, but now they're more secular. Mm-hmm. It's a more secular school. But let me tell you, their website... Boy, were you wrong. <laughs> so wrong. It was... <laughs> Maddie sent me a screenshot from the website because I'd been looking at, like, what programs they offered and Mm -hmm. stuff. (laughs) But on one page, it was like, let God pick pick your... or something like that. your path. Your path or follow you through your path or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she messaged me. She's like, secular? I can't even pick a major without God being there. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oop. Mabby. Mabby. Yeah, so I thought that was funny. I told Danny that last last night. As she, I'm, like, patting on her leg as she's trying to edit. I'm like, she went to school in Portland. <laughs> All the people at Multnomah University, because they were in a conference with my sister's volleyball team uh-huh. in college. Very nice. Oh, I imagine they're I, very yeah. nice people. Not just shit on the school. No, but I went to church camp for eight years Ooh. growing up. So, Didn't like, I'm about it. And not, I mean, it's not the path that I'm on anymore, but lovely people. Yeah. This is, I did not know this about her at all. No. Nobody. I'll get there, but nobody knows this about her. She disappeared in 1958 and everybody went, where the fuck did Betty Page go? Oh. Yeah. She was in Portland. She was for at least a little (laughs) while. So in 1958, after becoming... You know, a born-again Christian. She married a man named Armand Walterson. They ended up getting divorced in 1963. And then she attempted to become an African missionary through her church, but she was rejected because she had been divorced. 
which I think is dumb, <laughs> but <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Uh, so then she moved back to Nashville and worked full-time for Reverend Billy Graham. I don't know who that is. He is a televangelist. Is he the 700 um, Club guy who's still alive? No, no. Oh. That's Pat Rob- Robertson. He's a real piece of work. No. Reverend Billy Graham was a televangelist who convinced a lot of people to be born again. He was... He's he's not alive anymore, but he was super anti-LGBT yeah. and... Just a just a shit a real head. piece of work, okay. uh, you know, as per the huge had huge one of those huge churches, lots and lots of money. So she worked for for him full time. Yikes! She very briefly in nineteen, I believe in nineteen sixty five, mm-hmm. uh, got back together with her first husband Billy. Hmm. They were only together for a few months, and then they got it annulled. They oh. were like. Oh, let's try this again. No, this isn't working. So that's two people that she's been married to, but three relationships. Yeah. Um, so then in 1967, she moved back to Florida. Mm-hmm. Married a man named Harry Lear. Was a stepmother to his two children. Mm-hmm. They had seemingly very good relationship. But then they ended up getting divorced in 1972. Okay. And right around the the early 70s, Betty began to hear voices. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How old is she at this point? She's... If you don't know, you can... 50. Okay. In the early 70s, she was, yeah, late, late 40s, early 50s. So right around this time, she begins to hear voices. Has pretty violent mood swings, becomes kind of irrational Mm-hmm. In, in her every day. And then, so in 1978, she moved to Southern California. She has been out of the public eye for two decades at this point. Nobody knows where she is or what happened to her. She just disappeared one day. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, her photos are circulating. She's everywhere, mm-hmm. you know. So she's living this really low-key, nobody-knows-who-she-is life in Southern California. She had a nervous breakdown. Yeah. And the first thing I read said, and got into a fight with her landlady. Mm-hmm. I've gotten into a fight with Danny and with my mom and with my sister, with a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. So, but she got into a little bit more than a fight. So she had this nervous breakdown, lost it, mm-hmm. and ended up stabbing her landlady 20 times. Oh my God. Yeah. So, yeah, the look on your face right now is real priceless. Just like, what? Yeah, a little bit more than a fight. Yeah, it was also Betty Page. Like Betty fucking Page. None of this I associate no, with her she at went, all. She she literally went from like top of her game. Everyone wants her. Everyone is looking at photos of her to mm-hmm. completely off the grid. Mm-hmm. Twenty years later has gone a little off, a lot off the deep end mm-hmm. because mental illness is real. Yeah. And we shouldn't ignore it. And then stabbed a woman 20 times, killing oh her. God. Doctors diagnosed her with acute schizophrenia and she spent 20 months in Patton State Hospital. And that's in San Bernardino, California. So after 20 months, she's released. She's kind of doing her thing. And then 
she got into a fight with another landlord after kind of getting back on her feet. Mm-hmm. She assaulted him. Mm-hmm. Not sure the details. But then she was arrested for assault, was judged, you know, not guilty by reason of insanity. Yeah. And then she was placed under state supervision for eight years. Yeah. Being released in 1992. This is wild. It's fucking... Did you say 92 or 82? 92. Okay. So... Like I said, in you know, in the late seventies into the eighties, there's a huge resurgence of Betty Page. Yeah. Right. Fashion is taking things left and right from the things that she wore. Art. A lot of artists started yeah. painting her. There was a comic book, The Rocketeer, mm-hmm. was modeled after modeled after Betty Page. She's she's literally just they're putting her face on everything from like plates to lighters. Yeah. And everything in between. And people didn't even know she was still alive because, like I said, she just disappeared in 1958. Yeah. So Hugh Hefner and Betty Page had never met before. Mm-hmm. He'd seen pictures of her and knew who she was. But basically what happened is he sought her out. He got in touch with a bunch of people who eventually led yeah. him to to Betty. So he invited her over for dinner. And they're talking and he's like, your face is on everything. Everybody knows who you are. Mm-hmm. And he finds out that she does not have any proper representation. Mm-hmm. She's penniless. She mm-hmm. was living in a group home at the time. And oh. she wasn't receiving any royalties for anything. Mm-hmm. So oh he sets her up with the the lawyer who's in charge of the estates of Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. And James Dean. Oh. Two people shot. whose images are put on everything all the time. Yeah. So he sets her up with them and skip to 2008. She died at the age of 85 oh. after having fought everyone mm-hmm. to, to be getting royalties from her images and stuff. Yeah. So she died from complications from a heart attack on December 11th, 2008. And in 2011, her estate made the Forbes annual list of top-earning dead celebrities. Dang. Yeah. So she tied in 13th place. Mm -hmm. I think it's out of either 50 or 100. She tied at 13th place with George Harrison and Andy Warhol. Oh. So she went from in the 80s... Nothing. Living in complete obscurity in a state-funded home, completely penniless, had nothing to her name, mm-hmm. and just accumulated massive amounts of wealth Yeah, in the last couple decades that she was alive, mm-hmm. and then made billions uh, post. Po- posthumously. She lived a real crazy, crazy life. Yeah. You can't look at... Any pop star or, I mean, Madonna is heavily, heavily influenced by Betty Page. Yes. Yes. Yeah, you <laughs> have notes. To, this has nothing to do with Betty. I don't. I'm going to say something controversial. Tell me. I don't like Madonna. <laughs> did you hear what she did at Eurovision? No. This year. This year like, yeah, yesterday or something. Oh, no. So, Eurovision this year was... Eurovision this year was held in Tel Aviv. Okay. Uh-huh. Capital of Israel. Yeah. And Palestine, who there's an Israeli-Palestine conflict, asked people in support of them to boycott, and they asked that their flag not be flown 
at Eurovision this year. Mm-hmm. And Madonna mm-hmm. flew the Israeli and Palestinian flag at the same time at the end of her episode, at the end of her show. Mm. And it was just very bad taste. She does. Yeah. She does a lot of. Here's a, she does a lot of political stuff mm-hmm. in bad taste. Mm-hmm. Like not. There's necessarily no ca- thought through. Yeah. There's no care put into it, and I and I feel as a consumer, it's more of a. See, I'm still a good person. Yeah. And not actually like a genuine. Yeah. Bless you. Bless, bless you. you. Not a genuine thing. Yeah. Oh. And, like, she's done a lot of questionable things. Mm -hmm. And, like, when she, like, kissed Drake during a show and it was clearly, like, without permission. Yeah. And if that role had been reversed. It would be a whole lot of not fucking okay. okay, Not okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you can't rest on the laurels of you being an icon and get Mm -hmm. away with shitty things all the time. Amen. Which, like, Betty Page, cool lady, still a murderer. Exactly. <laughs> like, like, didn't realize that. <laughs> nobody, nobody does. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah, no, that's... Uh, sorry. Wow. I, I've been, that's I was thing. thinking about Madonna because of it was Understand. so recent. She's still the... Everybody thought she was so iconic and, like, interesting. And, yeah. You know? Yeah. Because of her cone. Yeah. Her cone bra. A hundred percent stolen from Betty Page. Yeah. I mean, that was just what people wore in the 50s. They no, got no, pointed but, nipples. But actual, like, not, not like torpedo bras, but like actual put cones, like oh. cones on her, on her. 50s love pointy <laughs> nipples. <laughs> yeah. So I do just have one more. I didn't know that about Madonna, though. Oh, bra. yeah. Oh, yeah. And like I said, Katy Perry, Dita Von Teese, yeah. anybody who's rocking that. Dark hair with Betty Page bangs. Yeah. Yeah. It's a look. And like I said, fashion has just been like, oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. Mm -hmm. And just run with it for ages. Okay. So this is the last thing I have to say. This is a very long episode. I apologize. So she said, quote, I was not trying to be shocking or to be a pioneer. I wasn't trying to change society or to be ahead of my time. I didn't think of myself as liberated, and I don't believe that I did anything important. I was just myself. I hmm. didn't know any other way to be or any other way to live. Hmm. And I just thought that was really lovely. Like, she came yeah. from the super religious growing up in hmm. Nashville and really was just like, I want to just go do what I want to do. And she always did. Yeah. Like, Including she... murdering a lady. <laughs> <laughs> I also, I didn't mention it because she lived, because she lived in such obscurity when people finally tracked her down in the late 80s to do like the E, the E True Hollywood story. She's filmed talking in Mm -hmm. silhouette. You can only hear her voice because she refused to be photographed and refused to put her image out there. On anything. Or she would say, yeah, okay, we can we can do this interview. Mm-hmm. But then when it came down to filming or photographing it or whatever, she was she changed her mind. She was like, nope. So she hmm. wouldn't be photographed for, like, the last several decades of her life. Oh, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Just slid right into obscurity and remained there. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. 
I did not know anything nope. about her. Nope. Didn't know any of that. Wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> she just took a drink. I did. It's without, an iced. Without context that you just made a weird noise. <laughs> I have a mason jar. It's a big mason jar. Mm-hmm. It's an iced coffee. What did I say? Is an iced Irish? Irish coffee. It's an iced Irish coffee. Because it's morning time. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. There you have it. Yeah. In this Excuse in this me. battle of the um sex symbols. Yeah. I'm gonna say mine one. Yours one. She didn't murder. She didn't murder anybody. Yet. She's uh. still alive. I mean <laughs> she got some time. <laughs> Honestly. Let's see. What else? That was a good story. That was a good story. I like it. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. Because I think Betty Page as a as a sex symbol and she was mm-hmm. I mean, she was the first famous bondage model, which I think is very fucking empowering. Mm-hmm. She was very in control of mm-hmm. everything that she did. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when you're... Had no shame about it. I think she did when she became, like, right away. Mm-hmm. When she became a born-again Christian, she was like, I don't think God's happy mm-hmm. with me taking my clothes off. But, in general... God, we aren't born with clothes on. Exactly. Maybe he's and mad that we're all there was, there was... Maybe um, that's why climate change is... <laughs> Preach it, girl. There <laughs> that was... is not an actual belief that I hold. <laughs> Just to be clear. There was an, a quote that she said. About, it was about being naked. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like, Adam and Eve lived in the garden and they didn't have any clothes. So pretty sure it's not that big of a deal. Okay. So we are at the end? We are at the end. The end. Goodbye. Just Bye. kidding. No. Stop the episode right there. That's all. Okay. <laughs> Please follow us on our social media accounts. Yep. On Instagram and Facebook, we are at that Brad's Got Moxie. And on Twitter, we are at Brad's Got Moxie. Know that. Know that. Know that. I don't know how to use Twitter, but I know there's no that there. Yeah, because it's too many <laughs> characters for a handle. <laughs> oh, man. And if you have questions, comments, concerns, <laughs> one of my favorite things, <laughs> if you have suggestions or if you have Stories, advice. advice. Oh, we love advice. You know, if you have stories about Moxie ladies in your life that you want to tell us about, you can send us an email at thatbroadsgotmoxie at gmail.com. Did you say rate, review, and subscribe? No, I was just about to. Okay, do that. Please rate, review, and subscribe <laughs> <laughs> to this podcast wherever you are listening. That's if right. You can. Perfect. Thank you. Anything else? Oh, we're good. Yeah. All right, guys. Bye. Bye. Music by Sage Krenning. Cover art by Vinny Navarrete. Produced and edited by Danielle Barsanti. Side effects of listening to this podcast may include excessive moxie, zero tolerance for the patriarchy, sass mouth, excessive sweating, tipsy tittering, desire to stick it to the metaphorical man, fear of cats, empowering women, clammy hands and feet, the inability to do math, lack of patience for the bullshit, thirst for knowledge, questioning the system, cravings for bougie chicken, vodka, and justice, and in some cases can cause death on hills.